Yeah, it would be quite a different game if you were building actual... <laughs> actual towns. Actual <laughs> Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 28. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we seriously hope you don't call for another freaking brick as we strive to construct the most majestic tiny town. All right, Mamie. Hello, and welcome back. Yeah, I feel like it's been a while since we've been in the studio. It has been a little while. We've been nearing the end of the school year. Yeah, it's been a little crazy. If I never have to give another standardized test in my life, I would be happy. Finish line is in sight. Yes, I spent two solid weeks doing early morning AP exams, so we did not get a lot of game playing in those evenings. But we are one week away from the end of school. Yeah, that is very exciting. Uh, or at least one week away for you and the kids. That's true. You still have to work, but it means a little more flexibility around here. Yeah, that will be a, a welcome change. Uh, but we are enjoying the warm weather with a nice glass of wine we have in front of us. And actually, Mamie, I believe this is from a bottle that I purchased you for Mother's Day. Yeah, this is from my special Mother's Day bottle. And it is a Nero de Avola. Which I had never heard of. Had you ever heard of a Nero de Avola? I hadn't. I purchased this because it looked nice and the label was fancy. It does have a beautiful label with flowers on it, which is kind of perfect for Mother's Day. But I, of course, had to look into what this wine was all about. And it's interesting. So I, I kind of knew that Nero was like black in Italian. It was dark. But I didn't realize that Avola is actually a region in the far south of Sicily. So this wine comes from a very specific varietal of grapes that are grown in that region. And according to Wikipedia, the ultimate source for all things wine, Nero de Avola is the most important red wine grape in Sicily and one of Italy's most important indigenous varietals. So it's an indigenous grape for Italy. That's cool. I wonder if you, you find it much uh, in wines outside of Italy. Uh, Wikipedia didn't say. I don't know that I've had it before, though. Yeah, me, me neither. And it says that it should be similar to a Shiraz with sort of a sweet tannin and a plum or peppery flavors. Do you get that? I would believe that. We know quite a bit about our typical American varietals, but admittedly, uh, that's a growth area for us is some of these uh, European wines. Yeah. And so I wasn't quite sure what we would get, but I have to say something about this. This wine certainly tastes approachable and familiar. Yeah, it's delicious. I mean, I definitely do get the pepperiness, but it's very similar to the pepperiness that um, you might find in some of the Malbecs that we like. Yeah, you know, I would say it reminds me a little bit of a Zinfandel. Of a Zin- yeah, definitely. It has certainly a, a bold flavor. I can get the tannins uh, a little bit on the dry side, but certainly some interesting flavors, interesting lingering flavors. Quite yeah, good. I think it's delicious. Thank you. Well, happy Happy Mother's Day. And yep. happy birthday. You celebrated a birthday That's since true. the last episode. So That's true. In the since we last recorded, we have had Mother's Day and my birthday. Lots yeah. of fun things going on. Lots of fun things. Well, many reasons to celebrate, but one reason is we have a new Patreon patron. Yay! Thank you, thank you. This is uh, someone familiar to us, maybe our newest Patreon patron is Board Game Boozer. Oh, I believe I have seen that name on Instagram. Yeah, Board Game Boozer is one of my favorite Instagram follows. He publishes very well-composed photos of board games and... 
Booze. That's right. Yeah. And uh, also, a little factoid, he was the winner of our Cool Stuff, Inc. giveaway. I think the only giveaway we have done on the show. I don't even know when that was. That was a Mm. while ago. Certainly, thanks to Board Game Boozer for uh, his support. Yes, thank you so much for your support of the show. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Simply go to our website, cardboardandwine.com, and click the Become a Patron button, or you can go to patreon.com slash cardboardandwine and become a patron there. Thanks for your support. Yeah, and if you become a Patreon supporter, we will send you a beautiful cardboard and wine button. Also, Mamie, I wanted to mention that Dice Tower Con is right around the corner. Yay, just a month away, and we will be in Orlando at Dice Tower Con. Yeah, so if any of our listeners are going to be at Dice Tower Con, uh, reach out to us and and let us know. We'd be glad to, uh, we would love to to meet you. And play a game. Play a game, and we'd be happy to don you with a cardboard and wine button. Yeah. So come say hello to us. We'll certainly be posting um, quite a bit from from Dice Tower Con. We probably need to post more photos of our faces on our social media. I don't know if people can actually find us. Uh, We post photos of games, but... uh, we will we'll post Maybe. we will post a selfie of ourselves. Ooh, think, selfies! Dice Tower Con selfies. Dice Tower Con selfies. All right, look look for them on Instagram. Yeah, but certainly reach out to us if you're going to be at Dice Tower Con. We would love to say hello and maybe play a game. Awesome. All right, Mamie, you mentioned that you haven't had a chance to play a lot of games lately, but anything you've been playing of note? Well, for me, one of the most fun things we've played a couple times is Welcome to. That's the um, flip and write game that we first played at Dice Tower Con, and then we had it ordered, and it came in right around my birthday. Yeah, and uh, we're excited to get that one, and we've gotten quite a few plays with each other and with several several of our friends, and that's a really fun one. Yeah, I think we may have to talk about that one on a later show. Yeah, and we've had the opportunity to play The Gallerist several times. I think you and I played once, uh, and then I've had the chance to play a couple of times with some members of our game group. And that is a uh, Vital Lacerda game, and we've played Vinos quite a bit and enjoy that one, but finally broke out the Gallerist. That was probably our longest-standing game on our shelf of shame that yeah. was unplayed. It sat there for a long time. Before you, I, re- I remember about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I noticed you were reading the rule book in bed, and so I knew it was coming unboxed. <laughs> That's part of the process. Uh, it's it's kind of a heavy one, you know. I would say it's not necessarily heavier than Vinos, but probably in the same same wheelhouse. But dare I say, uh, you know, three plays in, I may. Like it more than Vinos. Oh, that's high praise. Uh, but it's close. It's got a lot of interesting mechanisms. The board and the art are beautiful, and the theme is interesting to me. You're the purveyor of your own art gallery, and you're trying to discover new artists and and purchase their art, and then increase the fame and promote those artists so that you can sell their art um, for increased profits. And also, you travel internationally trying to make your mark on the overseas art market as well, and and, and just a lot of fun. Um, yeah, there's definitely really a lot going on. We started a game. We actually didn't finish it. It was one of those nights that I had to be up early the next morning. Um, and I feel like I just kind of started dipping my toes in the water with that one. I didn't love it, but I think if I got a real good solid gameplay in, I would probably feel differently. Well, yeah, I played with several members of our game group about a week ago, and then several days later, they were asking to play it again. So we played a second round uh, just Friday night and had a great time. Really fun. Well, that is always a very good sign. So the other thing that we've been playing quite a bit is our game of the week. So we should probably just jump into that. (laughs) 
Tiny Towns is the first game from designer Peter McPherson and published by AEG Games recently in 2019. In Tiny Towns, players attempt to build the most valuable town from a combination of building types that score in a variety of ways. Players can take turns calling out a building resource that corresponds to various colored cubes. In the game, there's wheat, stone, wood, brick, and glass that correspond to yellow, gray, brown, red, and blue cubes, respectively. And players must place these resource cubes on an empty space in their town with the goal of forming specific patterns of cubes that can be exchanged for a building type. Buildings score in a variety of ways and often interact with each other. For example, you can build cottages that are worth three points each at the end of the game, but only if they're fed. To provide food for the cottages, you'll also need to build a farm or some other food-producing building. There are many strategies you can employ to build your town, but careful planning is critical and the types of buildings available to build varies from game to game. The rules are simple, but building the best tiny town certainly is not. So, Josh, where did we find out about this game? You heard about it and we're talking about it, but I, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. Yeah, this is one I hadn't really paid a whole lot of attention to. To be totally honest with you, I haven't I haven't really been following all the, the new hotness quite as carefully lately. Well, um, that's because we are trying to not buy as many games in 2019 yeah. and to play what we have. Yeah, part of that is purposeful. I went on a little bit of a Kickstarter binge uh, back in the winter. <laughs> and so I have purposefully weaned myself off of some of the board game media that talks about new games. Um, however, you know, I happened to be on Board Game Geek and in the hotness section. Uh, this one was towards the top, Tiny Towns. And so I clicked on it and was just kind of drawn to the uh, the box art and and some of the discussion surrounding it. So I actually clicked and watched a how to play video. And it was one of those that after a pretty straightforward five minute explanation, you totally understood how to play the game. And, you know, I really thought the concept felt unique and it looked like the type of game that we might enjoy playing with each other, uh, but also maybe as a warm up game with our game group or even a game that could work well with our non gaming friends. Yeah. And I think it definitely has kind of lived up to the hype. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it. So, so Mamie, first of all, what do you think about the components of Tiny Towns? Well, let's just say so much colorful wood. Um, there are kind of two main types of wooden components that make up the game. There are the cubes and the buildings. So both are nice, solid wood, bright, fun colors. I did think about, you know, the buildings are shaped like the top of, type of building that they are, a barn or church, etc., but the cubes are just cubes. And I do think if someone was colorblind, they'd have a little bit of a hard time with the red and yellow and brown and, and, and all of the different colored cubes. But I will say they are, you know, nice, solid quality. I love fun-shaped wooden meeples. So all the different buildings, I think, are really kind of cool. In terms of other components, it's really pretty simple. There's a little town board. Uh, and there's cards. The town boards, I think, look a lot like the boards in Agricola, don't you think? Yeah, they, they definitely look a lot like that empty player board you have where you can put the tiles and build up your, your farm. Very similar to that. Yeah, I mean, they're, you know, decent quality cardboard and they have kind of a green grass background with squares of, I don't know, would you call them hedges? Yeah, I would say if probably if you lost these boards and you just had Agricola laying around, you can probably play 
you could interchange uh, either board. Yeah. So, you know, they kind of are just pretty basic cardboard boards with squares to mark out the different kind of lots on which you can build buildings. Um, and it comes with a deck of cards. The cards are a little bit larger, a little oversized, and they tell you what types of buildings you can build in your city based on what cube patterns. They're a decent quality card. Uh, the illustrations on them, I think, are are good. There's nothing sort of extraordinary about them, but they are pretty clear what kind of building is being built and the description of the way the building's going to work and the way it's going to earn points. Like I said, the, you know, none of the components are anything really extremely spectacular, but they get the job done and they're pretty good quality. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. Uh, and, you know, we should mention those cards. You know, those cards are divided into themes of buildings. And so there might be five or six different red food producing building cards and then a number of kind of special, I guess they're not a sort of church type cards and then certain kind of inns and commercially yeah. <laughs> type buildings um, uh, and things like that. And so each game factories, factories, yeah, the black cards. And so, so each game, you select one of each of those different colored cards. And so from game to game, uh, you'll have different combinations of, of those buildings. But, but you're right. I mean, I appreciate that they did make the cards oversized, so they really are easy to see. And, and you know, those, seeing those cards is really critical. I think especially when you're brand new to the game, you're a new person playing the game, it can be a little bit overwhelming with all the different types of things you can build. And, you know, you're trying to wrap your mind around what all the different buildings are and how they score and how you build them. Um, so it's a nice touch that they made them a little larger just to simplify um, just taking all that information in. One weird side note about all of the wooden pieces, they smell like a campfire. Did you notice like the moment we opened the bag, it was like almost an overwhelming smell of campfire. Yeah. I mean, the pieces certainly don't look burned, but they <laughs> they sort of smell sin, like singed wood a little bit. Well, I'm pretty sure that they are cut with some sort of glow forge kind of, kind is of tool. Is that like a flamethrower? Yeah, I know. It sounds like a weapon from Game of Thrones. I only know about a glow forge because we got one at school for the art department recently, and it just happens to be right beside my classroom. So whenever they're using it, that smell, that campfire burnt wood smell is in my office but it's kind of like a laser cutter well, i mean it is a laser cutter it uses a laser to cut and it'll cut wood and plastic i think even metal it's pretty awesome actually my friend who's also into gaming has been using it to make some box inserts and may hook us up for with some of those oh that's pretty cool yeah. i mean they are somewhat intricately cut wood for the building i mean i do agree with you then uh, you know, it's a little bit, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but the resources are just cubes. Yeah. Uh, but the buildings look cool. Um, one thing I'll say that's a little weird and atypical out of character for me is this is one of the first games I didn't feel compelled to organize. It's kind of shocking when you just dump the bags on the table. Yeah, you wouldn't expect that from me. No, I wouldn't. For a game like this. Um, you know, when you get the game, all of the different building types are in separate little baggies and and then all the resource cubes. And I will say I was tempted initially to acquire some some little boxes or a nice bins Plano. or a Plano, you know, to sort all of these separately. But when I thought about, you know, well, what are we really trying to accomplish when we play this game? You know, it's the type of game we just want to break out and play quickly before something else or on a school night or, or with friends. So, you know, the buildings are distinct enough that I decided to just get two big bags and dump all the buildings in one bag and all the resource cubes in another bag. And then when we're ready to play, we just dump two piles out. And, and it's really no big deal to just go in and fish out the one you need. 
uh, no, I mean the way it. the way gameplay works for this game, where you know you're you're calling out a, a resource and you're grabbing it and you're swapping for a building, it's it's pretty easy to just grab it from the pile. Yeah, definitely. you don't need to have them all sorted out. Definitely, I will say there's a very nice full color score pad that makes scoring the game at the end really easy. Uh, it's very simple, very well laid out. I think I'd like to laminate it at some point. Yeah, that's something we've been talking about with our. Um, Welcome to Sheets as well. Being able to laminate and reuse could be handy. Yeah, I don't know if this is a a trend or a theme, but I feel like we are acquiring more and more games with score pads and uh, you know, definitely making me want to get into laminating because well, you're going to run out of these at some point. We might have to purchase a laminator. Foreshadowing. Does that uh, preclude game purchases? Would that go under the gaming line item in our budget? Well, if you got it for me for Father's Day, it would go under the gift budget item. Hmm. Let's think about that. Yeah, what every dad wants, a laminate. (laughs) (laughs) For his game scorecard. Nice. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about the gameplay of Tiny Towns, Mamie. What do you think about that? Well, you know, it's like a lot of the games that I really enjoy. Gameplay is not really complicated, but it's also not simple. You know, on a turn, as you said, one player names a type of building material, that straw, wood, stone, brick, whatever, and everybody... Everybody at the table takes that resource and has to place it on their board. And I think that's a really interesting feature that you're not just naming something for yourself, you're naming something for that everybody has to take. And then based on the cards and the buildings that you're trying to build, you decide kind of where to place that cube. And, you know, when you build cubes in the right formation, you can trade them in for a building. And, you know, those buildings, those either kind of serve a purpose in your town and or add to your points at the end game. You know, it's not a complicated process. It goes pretty quickly. It moves from player to player pretty quickly. But man, the decision-making is challenging. Trying to figure out where to place those cubes so that they're going to allow you to build buildings without cutting off your ability to build other buildings in the meantime. And as you alluded to in your intro line, when the same resource keeps coming up and it's not the resource you need and you have to place it, it can become really frustrating. Yeah, because, you know, there aren't that many spaces on these little player boards. I think they're five by five, right? There's 25. Is that right? Are they? I think they're four by four. Oh, yeah. They're four by four. So there's only 16 spaces. Yeah, it's so, tight. Uh, and, and when a, a resource is called, you have to place it. So if it's one that that you don't need at all and you get stuck placing, I mean, that's pretty pretty significant when you get to the point of having to place a resource you can't use. And, and each of those is negative one point um, at the end. So I would say for a game this simple, it, it uses up a surprising amount of brain capacity as you're, <laughs> as you're trying to figure out the optimal move to make. Yeah, there is definitely a spatial planning component to building the patterns necessary in the game. I mean, in the last couple of games we've played, I somehow totally messed that up and ended up not being able to build very many buildings, which, you know, is the whole goal of the game. Now, it might be because I was, you know, the resources other people were naming were just not what I needed. You know, it's really delicate balance trying to plan ahead for what you need, but kind of being subject to whatever other people call. And if you get stuck in a plan, like if you have a plan, it's pretty much not going to work. You have to kind of be able to go with the flow based on what comes out. And I think that might have been my downfall in the last couple of games. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that's what is key to doing well in this game is you certainly want to have some semblance of a plan 
but you want to leave yourself as flexible as possible on the board. And I would say, you know, unlike a spatial game like a, a Galaxy Trucker, for example, where you're trying to uh, build your spaceship by pulling these tiles and, and putting them on your player board, I mean, while that is timed and that gives you a little bit of pressure there, um, at the end of the day, you are the only one putting stuff on your board. And I agree, that whole premise of, you know, really in a, in a three or four, in a four player game, you are only calling the tile you want one out of four times. And the rest of the time, you're having to react to the cubes that you're given by other players. Well, and another complicating factor that we didn't even mention yet is that there is a bonus building that everybody gets that's unique. So at the beginning of the game, you get two cards, which identify bonus buildings. Yeah, I think you get two. They're the, these monuments. Yeah, you get two monuments, and you select one that you're going to try to build. And I think those can sort of guide your strategy, but if you spend too much time trying to build your monument or basing your strategy around your monument, you can kind of get twisted, which I, you know, is what happened to me. They're pretty difficult to build and pretty powerful. So if you do build them, it's great. But you also, again, you have to be flexible. Yeah. And I think another key to this game that, that I think is good is it can be very tempting the first time or two you play to see all these different buildings out there. And you can have this feeling that to do well, you need to try to build everything. But you cannot build everything. <laughs> yeah, it's just not possible to build every building. And it's usually not optimal. I mean, I think in the last game we played, you focused in on just building taverns? Yeah. So there, Something, and you did really well. Yeah, so they're one of the, the green special buildings, these taverns. Uh, you actually get increasing points the more taverns you build. And so I think you can get up to 20 points, which is quite a bit if you just build five taverns. And so I just went with, I'm going to build a bunch of taverns. And, and, you know, that worked out pretty well. Uh, and what was what was great is I think that paired with a special building I had that that actually gave me extra points for not diversifying my town. I think I got extra points for every type of building I didn't build. So that paired very well with the tavern that happened to be out in that game. So Mamie, what do you think about the, the theme of Tiny Towns? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. In the description, um, it says... You are the mayor of a tiny town in a forest in which the smaller creatures of the woods have created a civilization hidden away from predators. I have to be honest, I don't think that comes through really anywhere except in the cover art. Yeah, I don't think I ever had read that part. I must have skipped over <laughs> Me to neither, just the rules. until I was preparing for this. Um, while the game is called Tiny Towns, I think I just assumed I was building a regular-sized town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, granted, the pizzas are small, so... But they, I mean, small compared to what? Compared I mean, to actual buildings? I mean, it would be <laughs> fairly small animals that would live in buildings that size. They're like an inch. I mean, they're the size of like castles in other games. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, it's they're game pieces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be quite a different game if you were building actual <laughs> actual towns. Actual towns. <laughs> this game plays in four to five years. I mean, it, you know, I, thematically. It's a building game, yes, the buildings are cool, but I don't think there's a strong theme that comes through. Certainly not this tiny creatures, hidden civilization theme. Yeah, I mean, I would say at its core, this is more of a puzzle. Definitely. So, so maybe what, what are some things you like about the game, or what, what's your favorite thing about Tiny Towns? You know, there's a lot that I like about this game. I mean, I it's kind of the weight of a game that's really in my sweet spot right now, especially on a 
school night. I, I mean, I have to be honest, we broke out Gallerist on a school night and I kind of groaned a little and didn't make it all the way through. But a game like Tiny Towns, like we could play several rounds on a game night. You know, it's on a weeknight. It's quick, easy to break out, easy to play, plays quickly. And so I, I really like that. I like the weight of it. But it, for a game that's so easy and lightweight and easy to set up, there's a lot of complex decision making and a lot of, you know, challenging, um, I don't know if strategy is the right word, but choices, tough choices that you have to kind of decide and, and make as you're playing. And there's a lot of variety to the game. I think that that's the other thing I really like, you know, with the deck of cards and with the bonus cards. And then, I mean, there's a whole kind of second way to play the game, which we haven't even talked about yet. And I'm sure there'll be expansions of the deck of cards, you know, in the near future. So I, you know, I don't foresee it becoming boring. So I think the variety and the weight of it that's, you know, quick to set up and easy to understand, but complex to play. That's kind of my, my main things I like about it. Yeah, it would certainly be the type of game it would be easy to for the designer to come up with a few different cards that you could mix in to to keep it fresh, um, for sure. I imagine that will probably happen at some point. Um, and you also alluded to the fact we have been talking about the, the standard rules. There's also a, a different way you can play the game. They call it the town hall rules, and they're these cards that have basically just a single colored square on them that corresponds to the different resources. So instead of players calling out uh, resources you flip over cards from this deck and you do that twice. And those are the resources all players have to use. And then on the third turn, um, every player gets to take whatever they want. And so you kind of go, you know, two resources randomly drawn from the deck and then everybody picks one and you kind of alternate that way. I will say, I think that works pretty well at higher player counts. I don't think we mentioned it, but uh, this game, there are components to play with up to six players while we have only played, I think up to four I think if you were to play it six players by the standard rules, I mean, you would only get to choose the one you wanted once every six yeah, times. You would be completely stuck. Yeah, I and don't there's think only it 16 well. spaces on the board. So I think that'd be tough. And I imagine that the rules with these cards are probably to mitigate a lot of the randomness that would occur at higher player counts. But, but you know, I we've played that way, just the two of us, and I enjoyed it. I found it kind of an interesting, you know, alternative way to play. Yeah, just another way to keep it fresh. And I'll say, too, those town hall rules with the cards are a way that if you wanted to, you could play solo. I mentioned this is very much a puzzle. So, you know, if you wanted to break this out by yourself and just play and try to do the best you could do, uh, those cards provide a way that you could play uh, play solo mode. Thinking about things that I like about the game, you know, I could echo a lot of the things you said, Mamie. I like the simplicity of the rules. Um, that draws me to a lot of games, games that don't have a lot of rules overhead, have kind of a straightforward, cool rules mechanic, but have a little more going on and, and give interesting choices. And I think this game has some of that. You know, I like all the, the wooden pieces and I like the, I like the variety that the game provides. I, I think a concern I had initially was, I was worried that it might get too samey from game to game uh, where you could kind of figure out the strategy that works well for you and everybody would just go for that every time. Uh, but what I didn't appreciate before we got the game was that there are so many different cards and that from one game to the next, you might have completely different combinations of buildings that you're working on. And so part of developing a strategy for this game really is taking a look at, well, what, what's the special building that I've chosen? And then how is that going to work with the buildings that are actually out in this game? And so, so that's kind of a nice feature of the game is that, that variety and that replayability from game to game. So Mamie, is there anything you don't particularly like about Tiny Towns? 
You know, honestly, I, I can't really think of anything that I don't like necessarily. I mean, it, it can be a little frustrating when you get stuck. Um, and I definitely have experienced some of that. But it is such a short game that getting stuck in one one game is not too painful, you know, as it could be in like a long game when you're stuck and you know you don't have a chance of, of finishing strong. But other than that, there's really nothing that I don't like about it. What about you? I think there are a few things that, that aren't my favorite about Tiny Towns. Um, so I've played this game about 10 times now, and I certainly still enjoy it for sure, but I don't think it totally captivates me. And, you know, I think when I initially saw a video about it, I thought, like, oh, this is going to be really cool. But there's something about it that to me is just a little bit dry. And, you know, I, I certainly don't mind a puzzle game, but for the most part, even if you play with three, four, five players, each person is pretty much building their own thing. And, you know, there's a little bit of indirect interaction in that you can look around and sometimes see what other people need or don't need and try to mess with them by picking a cube that you know is going to interfere with their plans. But that's kind of a minor part of the game, I would say. And I also think one thing we've noticed is it's possible there can be some extremely powerful combinations of those individual purple cards coming out with certain buildings. I think I alluded to the game where I had the one that gave me the points for not diversifying my buildings and then also having that in the same game of the taverns where you can score lots of points by just building taverns and those two together really made me kind of an unstoppable <laughs> force yeah, it, in that specific game. Those combinations can definitely become overpowered. Yeah, and you know, in an individual game, um, it can make a player who gets such a combo hard to stop. But that being said, in a game that only takes about 30 minutes or so to play, um, you don't have such a huge time investment that it's a big deal. And it can still be kind of fun to work out your own puzzle and do the best you can, even if you don't win. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what I was hinting at with the, the frustration. I think if you get stuck 15 minutes in and other players are going for 30 minutes, that can be a little bit of a bummer. But again, it's only 10 minutes or 15. It's not a huge amount of time. And then who knows, maybe next time it's more well-balanced depending on what cards come out. Yeah, and so I guess for the last thing, you know, when would we break out this game? It's funny. I would have said that we would break this game out with anyone except the kids. You know, we are heavy gamer friends. It could be a good warm-up game or, uh, you know, I think we could play it with new gamers. Um, but as it turns out, I tend to underestimate the kids because you, I was I was out of town and you played this with the kids, right? Yeah, I did. And, and they did surprisingly well. I wasn't sure to what degree they would get some of the, the strategy of thinking through it's one, it's one level of playing this game, which is just getting the combinations of cubes to build buildings. But, you know, you really have to have that second layer of strategy where you're thinking through, okay, I can't just build any building, but what's going to be the optimal building for me to build and kind of some longer term planning. And the kids really surprised me. They really made some, some pretty good decisions. And, and our son actually gave me a run for his money. He actually <laughs> beat me. <laughs> Uh, I think Did the second time win? he played. No, I was I was playing hard. I will <laughs> say um, when I played with them that first time, what I did do was so the rules uh, the rules give a suggestion for some buildings to choose with players for their first play, uh, maybe that are more inexperienced with tiny towns. Uh, some of the buildings have a little slightly more complex functionality or ways they score, and so there's kind of a core set of buildings that are the most straightforward. So we played with those, and then we did not play with the special purple buildings. Okay, just simplify it a little bit. But still, I mean, it's still a, 
a valid, full, complete version of Tiny Towns because even if you have the purple buildings, you don't have to build them. So, But yeah, I was surprised. I think it's a game that you certainly could play you know, with elementary age children. And they even made decisions like, oh, dad said he didn't want a brick, and so I'm going to say brick just to <laughs> mess with dad. <laughs> So. Was it helpful for them or were they just messing with uh, you? That's, uh, that's the question. Unclear. That is unclear. <laughs> All right, Mamie. So why don't we give our final thoughts on Tiny Towns? And as a reminder, we use a one to five rating scale um, that we relate to one of our other topics we enjoy, which is wine. So uh, number one, a game that's a one would be an empty bottle, sad and disappointing, ready to be thrown into the recycle bin. A two would be a two-buck chuck. If you don't have anything else, it might do the trick. A three would be like a wine in a box. There's some things you like, some things you don't like. A four would be like this really fancy, what are we drinking? What's this called again? Nero de Avola. A four would be like this really fancy Nero de Avola, a wine that we would want to enjoy regularly. We've poured a glass and we would look forward to enjoying more in the future. And a five would be a big, bold California Cabernet that is only going to get better with age. Mamie, where does Tiny Towns fall for you? So for me, Tiny Towns is a solid three. It's a good game. There are things I like about it, but there's nothing that really stands out and makes it amazing. I think with all the games on our shelf right now, we're enjoying it because it's new, but I think if given the option, there are other things that I would rather play. So, you know, it's it's good, but it's not great. So it's a three. What about you? Yeah, I think you, you took the words right out of my mouth, Mamie. I mean, this would be the, the definition of a three uh, for me right now. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we feel about this game a year from now. You know, this game is still relatively new for us. And, you know, I was really looking forward to to getting it and to playing it after initially seeing the rules and learning about the game. Um, the components are really cool and really nice, and and the gameplay is simple. I can see this being a game that I use regularly when we have maybe some non-gamer friends over. I've also considered um, from time to time I'll do a we'll do a a lunchtime gaming session at work uh, with coworkers. I think this would be a great game to try out with them. That being said, I don't know that I f- would feel super excited to pull it off the shelf um, with just me and you or or with our game group. I think I like it enough to keep it as part of our collection, and I could see at certain instances wanting to pull it out. It's, it does some interesting things. would certainly be interested in expansions potentially in the future, but um, I think it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine. You can check out photos of the games we play on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine, or you can email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com or jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you, and it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie. Until next time. Cheers and happy gaming.